0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, why are nurseries across the country being forced to close down? And I'm standing at the gates of a nursery school in Bristol. All around me, there's the kind of chaos you might imagine. Parents turning up one, two, three at a time. Some of their children racing towards the playground, while others are holding back nervously. One little boy starts to cry. Another has run off without his lunchbox. Some of them spot our big fluffy microphone and decide to give us a bit of a performance.
2: We've got quite, (laughs) I think that was a (laughs) best. Did you get that on the (laughs) microphone?
1: The nursery manager Sarah's here as well. She knows everyone's names and as she's talking it becomes clear that she's doing much more than just taking care of their children.
2: um... She
1: asks about their older kids who are at school. And one of the mums is telling her she's worried because it's her daughter's ninth birthday and she can't afford to buy her a present. She became nine yesterday and she was asking Mama, I need a present. You want your kids to be happy too.
2: Is is a bit sad.
1: Nurseries like the Playhouse provide a vital community service, but across the country, they're at risk of closing because they haven't got enough money. The government provides some funding. If you're a parent of a three- or four-year-old child, you can get 30 hours of free childcare if you're in work and 15 hours if you're not. And that money goes to the childcare providers. But nursery bosses say it's nowhere near enough to cover their costs for electricity, heating, equipment or to pay staff. And they are seeing staff leave to work in warehouses or supermarkets where the pay can be better.
3: I mean, that picture going forward is just untenable when you're having half the funding in and you need to spend double just to be able to staff the playhouse. So Mm. when you look at it like that, the picture's pretty bleak.
1: (laughs) And for parents too, the high price of nursery care on top of everything else can be really stressful. Data from the Office for National Statistics suggests more women are quitting their jobs now to look after their families. (laughs)
4: Like Most of women's issues, you know, it's all down to to the woman to think about maybe, you know, stopping work or um, having to think about all the payments and especially when you've just had a child. It's really, really difficult. So basically, I think when you've had children, you are, as they say, pregnant and then screwed.
1: From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, inside Britain's nursery crisis.
2: Well, I'm Sarah. I am nursery manager. I have worked at the Playhouse for nearly four years now. Yeah, tell me about where we are. So, we are in Eastville, in Bristol. We serve a very diverse community. We have noticed, since lockdown particularly, the terrible situations that our families are in. We do home visits and the amount of temporary accommodation, flats for five people with one bedroom, you know, so we just do everything we can to help those families. The Playhouse has been here for more than 40 years and I love it. What made you want to get into being a nursery teacher? Um, I started working in early years after I had my own daughter, after having her and realising, you know, just observing day to day how amazing it is to watch a child develop and to help a child develop. I was like, no, I want to do this. What do you love about your job so much? I love the role that we play for the community and the amount that we are able to help people and I mean I'd like to do it more but you know the support we can give families yeah and yeah what's the pay like I mean this is my kind of main problem we aren't funded so we can pay our staff what we would like to do you know, you go past, like, Lidl or McDonald's and they have posters up saying, come and work for, with us, and they would get a lot more working there than we are able to pay them. So what are we saying about minimum wage? Yeah, um, yeah. And that just feels so awful, cos we have got an amazing team... And we're not able to like recompense, like the what we would like to do. Um, One of our team, a really, you know, valued member of the team, has recently left us to work in, to work on the phones, like somewhere else. Yep, completely leaving childcare and is going to be getting a lot more money. And minimum wage has risen consistently. So, although originally we were giving our like practitioners, Um, more than minimum wage, because it's risen and risen and risen, we are struggling, you know, to even be able to pay them that. You know, I've had staff in supervisions and saying, I absolutely love my job, but I'm finding it very, very hard knowing that I could work somewhere in a different sector and earn more money. Yeah. That's
1: heartbreaking for them and for you and for the children who formed a bond with those staff to see them go. Yeah, it
2: really is.
1: Can we have a walk around the playground then and tell us? This looks like so much fun. This looks like so much more fun than being at home. It's a scary dive, so.
0: It's very
1: scary. Sally Wheel, you're the education correspondent for The Guardian. How much does it cost on average then to raise a child in the UK?
0: (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I don't know how they work it out, but I think the most recent figures were 160,000 to raise a child. (laughs) Um, I've raised two, and I think it could be really much more than that, actually. (laughs) But yeah, it's very, very, very expensive.
1: We've heard for years now about how expensive childcare has become in this country, some of the highest prices in Europe, and that problem has become more acute recently. Can you lay out for me what the situation is at the moment in this sector?
0: Well, I've been writing about the sector for eight years and it's been a problem for a long time. But there's no doubt that it has got worse in recent years. And I think that it's not really working for anyone at the moment, not the providers, not the parents, and to a degree, not the children either, because they're losing out.
1: So why have things become so particularly problematic now? You know, I'm thinking about, obviously, COVID. Yeah. You're right.
0: COVID was a huge disruption for nurseries. Many of them closed initially, they reopened and parents, obviously, many of them were at home, so they kept their children at home. So nurseries lost that funding stream and many of them just haven't gotten them back in the same way. Yes. And when you look at the Ofsted
1: figures, the number of childcare providers dropped by about 4,000
0: between March last year and March this year. That seems like a lot. I think it's always been quite a precarious sector, but the rate of closures has increased and the sort of precarity of those surviving nurseries uh, has increased.
2: It's a crisis
0: that's been building for years. The rising costs of providing childcare now unsustainable for many nurseries. And then, of course, just as they come back from Covid, the cost of living crisis has meant that costs for nurseries have gone up.
3: Can you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm Kirsty Clark. I'm the business HR and finance manager for Bristol Children's Playhouse. How much does it cost to run this place? So it's around about £140,000 a year. Um, About 90-odd percent of that is taken up on our staffing costs. And we probably have, even when we're full... Round about hundred and ten thousand pounds a year, so we're always running on a shortfall every single year for around about thirty grand. Wow.
1: Okay. <laughs> how How do you make up for that then?
3: By forward planning and trimming things where we can so we did a restructure two years ago to reduce the staffing which then took the staffing costs down a bit which then meant we've tried to claw a bit back when we've kind of been at the fuller points um so yeah being very very careful on every single thing that we spend and we simply cannot afford to pay above and beyond that national minimum wage now
1: Sally, looking historically at the nursery sector, is there a kind of historical sweep that we could give people? Has there been a time of privatisation? How has the funding of nurseries changed over, say, the past two decades?
0: I think there's been a really interesting shift. I mean, one thing to say is that under Labour, there were these very good Sure Start centres and they provided really excellent childcare for children and nurseries, but also they were really effective family hubs uh, and community hubs. And I think they were regarded as a massive success. And they've not all completely gone. Some have hung on. I mean, we've also got very, very good state-maintained nursery schools, which have traditionally been very well funded, have highly qualified staff. But unfortunately, councils have found them quite expensive to run. So they are constantly struggling to keep their heads above water. But what has emerged probably over the last couple of decades is kind of the opening up of the marketplace in the early years and childcare sector. So now, increasingly, we see business moving in, because you can see it's a good place to make money there's government money coming in to start off with and there's a sort of huge demand so estimates suggest that you know up to you know over 65% of places are now provided by organisations businesses
1: and are there any inherent problems in nurseries being privatised what What kind of issues
0: does that actually cause within the sector? You know, there'll be quite a lot of movement in the market with nurseries being bought or sold. I mean, you see a lot of stories. Parents will find their nursery suddenly closes because of a staffing crisis, a funding shortfall. They are our future,
1: starting their educational journey at nursery or preschool. Vulnerable not just due to age but because of a growing and serious shortage of
4: staff.
0: It can happen incredibly quickly. I mean, I've heard from parents who, you know, take their child to nursery in the morning. At lunchtime, they've had a call saying, I'm sorry, we're going to have to close because of a staffing crisis and we're not going to be reopening. Come come and get your kids. As you're doing your financial planning for the next year and you're looking at
1: how to keep this place running, what are you most concerned about? Um...
3: Another increase in the minimum wage, which will likely be on the cards. And then unless the funding is increased in any way, shape or form to try and match that, that gap's just going to become bigger and bigger for us. Energy costs, obviously. I mean, that's one of our biggest expenditures per month anyway always has been everything is going up and we're not in a position to get any more money in because we're already working at the maximum that we can have safely staff wise and the space that we're able to offer and the two things just do not tally so it's it's going to be hard for
1: those of us who've never experienced sending a child to nursery we'd probably have no real clue of the costs involved Of course, when children reach school age, the state provides free education. But before that point, parents have to pay towards it themselves. Has it always been that way?
0: One of the moments, I suppose, that's been very significant was the introduction of free child care. So it started with Labour, who introduced 15 hours of free child care. Oh, and right. So was that for one and two year olds as well then? No, it was three and four year olds, but it was for all parents. And then... The Conservatives kind of increased it to 30 hours, but those 30 hours were only only for working parents for three to four year olds, which sounds kind of quite counterintuitive because you would expect there to be additional support for those neediest parents who aren't earning for whatever
1: reason. Mm -hmm. So more of a policy to try and uh, get people back into work. Exactly,
0: exactly.
4: How much does it cost you to send her to a nursery? So I qualified for the free 30 hours, which is really, really lucky. But it was completely crippling before she was three. It was ridiculous. I almost had to resign from my job. It just wasn't financially feasible for me to send her for the hours that I needed to send her to nursery and work. Oh, it was just ridiculous.
1: Sally, when I spoke to parents at the nursery in Bristol... They were saying that having those 33 hours has been a help, but they only start once a child is three years old. Before that point, you can only get funding from the government if you're on certain benefits. That must be a problem
0: for parents. Yes, there's this sort of very difficult, very expensive gap um, between maternity leave and when your child actually goes to school. Even when your child is in the so-called free childcare uh, scheme, you've still got to patch care around those hours because it's only 38 weeks a year and we all know that our working day doesn't always fit in with school hours. 38 weeks, that's, you know, you've got all the school holidays to cover so you'll have all the extra cost of that. And then presumably it means if there's no childcare available
1: that parents can afford, they just have to work fewer hours or give up work completely.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think parents are having to sort of weigh up as well because of the cost of childcare. Earnings haven't gone up at the same rate as living costs, so they're finding they're having to weigh up, well, you know, is is it worth my while going to work? Many of them are saying no. Once you've
4: done um, petrol costs or travel costs and lunch costs and all of the other things that you have to factor into going to work. It doesn't make any financial sense at all. just may as well give up your job in terms of the finances. Totally. And yeah, and, and that, for, for a woman, is, is completely and utterly demoralising. There shouldn't be a choice between me going to work and me having children. It's, it's just... It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that's what you think as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Sally, what about for children who have special educational needs? Is there any extra provision for them?
0: Yes, the two-year-old offer where it's for parents on benefits, parents of children with special educational needs, that is available to them. Things are just always much more difficult for parents with uh, children with special educational needs. For nurseries, it can be much more expensive. To look after a child with special educational needs, they often need one-to-one care. So I think that, you know, those parents can often find it, may find it more difficult to find a
1: place. How much, on average, are people spending every week on sending their children to nursery?
0: I mean, the costs vary massively across the country. I've visited very kind of well-to-do nurseries in London, which, you know, cost an arm and a leg. um, Hundreds and hundreds 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 of of pounds. Yeah, and you you know, you get everything with frills on. But I think um, according to data from the Quorum Family and Childcare Survey for twenty twenty two, I think the average price for a part-time childcare place, which is twenty-five hours a week for a child under two, is 140 pounds and sixty-eight pence. And, but, I mean, you'll find massive variations across the country. But, I mean, the thing is, I think costs have really, really gone up rapidly in the past couple of years. I think some uh, surveys have suggested it's risen by as much as £2,000 a year um, and almost doubled for parents with a child aged under two since 2010. So, I mean, that's a sort of longer period. But, yeah, prices have gone right up. Sally,
1: there's some evidence that Women are looking at what's happening right now and saying, gosh, I just don't think I can afford to have a child at all. I want a child maybe, but I don't think I can afford one. I mean, I know there's the charity Pregnant Then Screwed did a survey this year of thousands of women about their decisions to have or not have children. And the Lib Dem MP, Manira Wilson, raised their findings in Parliament.
0: And they found that two thirds, two thirds are paying more, more for their childcare than they are for their rent or mortgage. That is simply unsustainable for many, many households. And that has resulted... In- can you can you talk me through those survey results? They did this enormous survey of 27,000 parents and found that two-thirds of them are paying more for their childcare than they are for their rent or mortgage. Mm. And then in another piece of work they did, they discovered that of women who'd chosen to have abortions... A sort of large proportion of them said that the cost of childcare had been a factor in in sort of choosing to terminate that pregnancy, mm-hmm. simply because it's become so unaffordable.
1: Sally, the Education Secretary, Kit Malthouse, made a speech at the Tory party conference in which he promised really strong support for parents who want to work, take more hours and return to work. And then this weekend just gone, there have been reports that the government's considering changing the subsidy system by handing funding directly to parents rather than having it go to childcare providers. Labour have said that if they came into power, they'd bring in a whole new childcare system, beginning with free breakfast clubs for all school aged children a lot of the details from both parties need to be worked out it's all a bit vague you've laid out current problems that need to be addressed what is the government actually doing to sort those out
0: I think we're probably going to carry on seeing government focusing on the affordability of childcare. care. I, th- I think that's what they've been trying to address, you know, with ratios and so on. Now, nurseries in England say plans to allow staff to look after more children will not cut costs for parents. The government says it's considering changing the current rules in a bid to help lower the cost of childcare for families amid the growing cost of living crisis. And
1: why is it that the government seems to think that relaxing the ratio of staff
0: to children might work? What evidence are they looking at to suggest that that would work? that's That's what everyone asked. You know, what is the evidence you base this on? I mean, I suppose the assumption they're working on is that if you increase the ratio, you need fewer staff. So it brings costs down. What's the staff to... The
2: ratio. Child ratio, yeah. Yeah. So for two-year-olds, it's a one-to-four ratio. And for three and upwards, we work on a one-to-eight ratio. What is legally sort of stated is because of, like, my qualification, which is a level six, we could have one-to-13, but we would never do that if we possibly could manage because of the limits that that has on the relationships that you form with children and families, really. Mm. And how does it impact on
1: children if, if they don't have that kind of close contact with staff?
2: Well, it, they, it's emotional wellbeing. Like, their emotional wellbeing is really halted because they can't form those attachments with, like, a member of staff because that member of staff wouldn't physically have the time to help them help them settle in and help them form that attachment coming up
1: how can we save the nursery sector Everybody knows, and you've laid out so passionately and so clearly, how important those first few years are in a child's life. The government's providing some funding, but it sounds very clear from what you've said that it's not enough. Why do you think they're not doing more at the moment?
2: I think it's consistently seen that early years isn't valued to the same extent as the next steps to children's education. And this has been seen consistently. For example, the time when schools were all closed in the pandemic, <laughs> but nurseries were to remain open. And I think it's because nurseries and early years are seen largely... As just something that is enabling parents to work,
3: Definitely, yeah.
2: rather than as an incredibly vital starting point That's for it. a child.
1: God, yeah, that is like a, that is a big societal problem, isn't it? If the thinking is just like, oh, this is a place for parents just to pop their kids out yeah. of the way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All we want is to be able to recognise our staff yeah. for all, what they do, and we recognise exactly. it every day in our conversations yeah. and in the way that, you know, we work with our team, but we're not able to recognise it in their pay packet. No, you know,
3: Absolutely. And that's the sad thing really. Mm-hmm. And and you know, which then does mean that we're exposed to Lose. losing losing really good yeah. people, which are hard enough to find anyway. Yeah. So there needs to be yeah, that recognition to make that an attractive and, and make a career out of it. It's not a job that you just say, "Oh, like children children are going to do this for a, for a year or so. It really is like someone like Sarah, who's hugely experienced and really super qualified as well. You know, that's your career. So it's a job that you can get a lot of fulfilment from. So it's, I think, shifting that thinking a bit as well and making that a bit more important.
1: And Sally, I can imagine that working in a nursery is something that a lot of people go into because they feel really passionate because they want to give children a good positive start in life. Yeah. So from people that you've talked to who've left the sector or who are considering leaving the sector, what have they told you? How does that feel to have to drop out of it?
0: I think you're right. I think people work in that sector because they love children. It feels pretty vital. It feels like a very worthwhile role. But it's not an easy option. Um, not only are you just looking after them, you're looking after you know, you know, learning, you know, safeguarding. They're social workers. Yeah, they play, play. They play. They play a hugely important role in not just in the children's lives, but those children's families as well. So, as other kind of services disappear have closed down in councils and so on you know they find themselves kind of advising parents on housing or pointing them to food banks
2: we just try and like listen listen to parents listen to their like problems and if we can offer solutions like for instance the mum who was saying she couldn't provide something for her daughter for her birthday I'm gonna look around nursery and see what I can find and give it to her at the end of the day you know like it's you can't you know it's it's we just do as much as we can on a very limited budget
1: Sally, I know that you've gone to the Department for Education when you've written about the nursery sector, and their spokespeople have been keen to reinforce that the government is putting funding into this. They've said that they've spent more than £4 billion in each of the past five years to support families with the cost of childcare, that the number of childcare places available is stable, with thousands of parents benefiting from this support. They also said that they're increasing funding to support employers with their costs, investing millions in better training for staff, working with preschool children, and that they've set out plans to help providers run their businesses more flexibly. But a lot of those working in the nursery sector don't seem to be reassured by that, What will happen then if the pattern that we're seeing continues of nurseries closing down or parents just finding it's completely unaffordable to send their children to nursery? What's going to happen, do you think, over the
0: next few years to these children growing up? I mean all the research shows that early years is the time to invest and that's where you can have the greatest impact on the most disadvantaged children. I think Covid has shown that children who are at home with families, often struggling families, families who've got many caring responsibilities, you know children will lose out in terms of development. They will go to school further behind their peers. And from that point on, it becomes ever harder for them to catch up. I think so. For a certain group of children, it, it is going to damage their kind of their life chances. So it's a fairly grim, grim kind of outlook. Sally, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Hannah. It's been good to talk.
2: And I shoot. We're all
0: friends. And I
1: That was Sally Wheel thank you to her and to the staff, parents and kids at the Bristol Children's Playhouse. This episode was produced by Tom Glasser and Ruth Abrahams and sound designed by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producer was Hummer Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow.